The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. It's less than 24 hours after Miami's horrendous defeat at home to the 4-8, and eight, the magnificent 4-8 and eight Tennessee Titans, where everything that could have gone wrong most certainly did. The they're 5-8 and eight were... now, Simon, so they're much improved. Oh, of course, yeah. Silly me. <laughs> The Dolphins, with home field in their grasp, having seen Kansas City and Jacksonville lose again at the weekend, managed to steal defeat from the jaws of victory, giving the Titans their first road win of what has been a pretty ugly campaign for them. And then the news got even worse today with the ACL injury to Connor Williams ruling him out for the rest of the season. We will break down what has been a dark day at 3YPC Towers in a moment in the company of Alf and Chris. I am, of course, your host, Simon Clancy. But first, let me tell you about our sponsors because the show is, as always, brought to you by Price Picks. Use the promo code 3, that's the number 3, yards, to get a $100 match bonus on your $100 deposit. And by our friends at Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code 5, that's the number 5, R-S-N, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code 5, R-S-N. You can tell I've not had a lot of sleep. Alf, tell us about Factor Meals. Uh, you can always go to our dedicated page at Factor Meals. You can go to factormeals.com forward slash three yards per carry five zero. That's the number three yards per carry five zero. And then you use the promo code three yards per carry five zero and you get 50% off your first order. We will break down some of the key areas from last night's shocker in a moment. Uh, Alf knows what's about to happen. Chris doesn't because he joined us late. But as host, it's often a little bit more difficult to express your feelings as you're trying to hold everything together. So I will start by just saying this just a little bit, because then I can just let Chris and Alf talk. But last night, I don't know about you guys, but last night made me more angry, I think, than any Miami performance I can think of in in living memory, actually. And I'm still pretty seething now. I was pretty seething throughout the day. Woke up really angry. And actually, we've just discussed, instead of handing out a game ball, we're going to hand out hate balls, which could get interesting towards the end of the show. But I genuinely don't think I've been this mad about sport in a very, very long time. But it is only sport, right? Fandom is a pretty strange thing. You invest and you invest and you invest. And most of the time, you don't get a lot back. You win the small battles, but very rarely. doesn't matter what team you support, unless it's been the Patriots over the last few years, you rarely win the war. But I went to bed at 5 a.m. this morning for what must have been about the, I don't know, 200th time since I started being a fan properly in 1985 and was pretty 
angry and upset at the what might have been. And look, don't get me wrong, the season, as we'll discuss, is not over. There are still four games left. A lot can happen. But the magnitude of what happened yesterday was so frustrating. Uh, I did some research this afternoon, and the last time a team that won the Super Bowl lost to a team with a record the same or worse than Tennessee's in December. You have to go all the way back to the 2-12 and Tampa Bay Buccaneers beating the then 13-0 and Saints in the Superdome in week 17 of 2009. And there's many aspects that we will get into over the next 40 minutes or so. But the collective arrogance and entitlement has been amazing to see over the last few weeks and the last few days, actually. I had people messaging me on Twitter asking who we're going to rest in week 18 against the Bills. Uh, the play calling of Mike with Daniel, who has given me more pleasure as a Miami fan than anybody since Dan Marino, I found baffling yesterday. McDaniel's comments at halftime to Laura Rutledge about how it was limiting without Tyreek Hill, almost as if the whole idea that doing anything without Hill was this kind of insurmountable issue. Uh, I know what Tua's numbers are without Tyreek this season, but actually these must be taken into context. It's far more difficult for a defence to scheme against a team when one player sits out a couple of plays to take a breather. It's much easier to then re-scheme and readjust when you know that player is going to be out for a long time, the defensive collapse on back-to-back -back drives was horrendous. The woeful inability to find offensive linemen that are any better than the offensive linemen who essentially kiboshed our season last year. The notion that you would sit Tyreek Hill out for most of three quarters and then put him back in for the final kickoff, only then to sit him out for the next three offensive plays, blew my mind. The notion that the quarterback could put the team on his back at the end, and I realised as I sat there, I had absolutely no real faith that he would we would do that. We didn't even get to midfield. And all of a sudden, here come the somewhat revitalized Jets on this kind of unifying mission after the Diana Rossini thing. The Cowboys, who are the hottest team in football on the road, to the Ravens, who look like the class of the AFC, and the Buffalo Bills, who all of a sudden smell blood. And I sit here and I look at what happened last night, and it feels, and this is a big word, Sisyphean. Look it up if you don't know what it means. It feels like here we are again, frustration piled on top of agony, piled on top of disappointment with a big old slice of hurt. And in my heart of hearts, I look at these final four games. I don't know what you boys think, and I'll get to you in a sec, but I think it's, for me, it almost feels more likely that Miami goes 0-4 than it even goes 2-2 two two at this stage, just based on what happened last night. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but deep down, I don't know if any of you listening would be overly shocked. Uh, and is this an emotional overreaction? It's definitely emotional, all right? And I, I I totally understand that some of you won't feel this way, but I also understand that most of you will feel pretty emotional about what happened last night. Um, it kind of felt like it was in our grasp, boys, didn't it? And we, and we let it slip. You, we, we kind of felt like win the easier games, in inverted commas, to get to 11, 11 and 3, and then we've got those back-to-back-to-back -back -back games at the end just feels like last night was a bit about shoulda, coulda, woulda. And, and to me, I tweeted it last night, this doesn't feel like a serious team. Is this a team that's going to win the Super Bowl? Are we the cowardly line in the Wizard of Oz? You know, we can roar sometimes, but when push comes to shove, we're not that tough. And yet I look at it and we play football again in what, five days time? And this time next week, we might have beaten the Jets, the Cowboys might have beaten the Bills, the Patriots might have beaten the Chiefs and the Jags. Who were on an you know lost the last two games might have toppled the Ravens, but this one hurts. This one hurt last night, and um, you know it feels like we we've been so close, and this season has felt so special, and it just that was a that was a real punch in the face. Alf, I know you've watched this one back, and there's a lot of blame to go around, and we all get there with our hate balls. Where's your head at? Twenty or so hours on. Well, I'm a I'm I'm a little bit better than I last night. I was just in shock as I was watching it, and I was like trying to explain it to myself. 
Like, how did this happen? How does a team have 101 yards rushing and no points at halftime against a team that, let's face it, you know, uh, they played well last night. If you didn't know anything, you would have said, okay, this is a, if you didn't know anything about their records or how they played this year, you would have said, this is a playoff contender that you lost to that came in pretty hot and, and beat you. No, that's not the case. Um, bad moments, turnover at the three-yard line. Then you have stigmata with everybody getting injured. At one point, I was just sitting there. I'm like, okay, who who else is going to get injured now? Because this guy's limping off. Waddle's laid out. Now Tyreek has his ankle messed up. We already know this guy. We already know that Connor Williams is in the medical tent, and it doesn't look good, and they already ruled him out, and he's in street clothes by the first quarter, which is always a terrible sign. Uh, by the way, everybody's saying, oh, but he was walking around. Yeah, when the guy has a brace and he's in street clothes in the first quarter, that's as good of a sign that he tore his ACL as any. Okay? Uh, you start wondering, how did this happen? How could it happen? And it's all a perfect storm, really, right? It's it's a perfect storm. It starts with, starts with this arrogance that, you know, this is the NFL, but you think it's it's Alabama playing, I don't know, Vanderbilt, you know, in a, in a lonely November Saturday at 3.30, and you can start resting some of your starters because you just can. Um, Armstead, he was spotted practicing all week. Now they're saying they they have a really good feeling. So a day after the game, they have a really good feeling about him playing. Um, there hasn't been a sense of urgency in this team for a while. They probably needed something like this. Is the season over? No. Can they still get the one seed? Well, that's going to be a chore, but they can do it. More importantly, can they win the division? Absolutely. It's still within their grasp and they could actually wrap it up pretty soon as long as they get, but now they need help. Okay, now they need Dallas to do the work because Buffalo plays a bunch of cupcakes until they play us. So, you know, it's it. this has been coming because th- they really were the last playoff contender to not have a bad loss, and now they got one. And it's probably beside that, that Denver game that Buffalo blew at home, this is probably the worst loss for maybe that, maybe that Cardinal game early in the season against the Cowboys. This is probably the worst loss for a team. It was at home. It was at night. You were relatively healthy-ish for the game, and you come out of it losing your center and kind of, you know, it's all hands on deck now. You're back to scraping and clawing to try to get a better seating here. Um, Mm. It was an awful loss and easily the worst in the McDaniel era. era. And I tend to agree with you. you said it was the worst you've ever seen. Uh, I'm sorry, that 2002 against the Patriots, my God, because that yeah, was a Super Bowl yeah. contender. That was the number one defense and the number one running game in the NFL, and they blew an 11-point lead with four minutes left. Sound familiar? <laughs> but yeah. that ended their season. That was for the division title. That ended their season that year. Yeah. So Chris, that was worse, but I'll, I'll let yeah. Chris get on with this. But, yeah, uh, this was pretty bad. I mean, Chris, when you, when you break it down, you know, we were 14 14- – ahead with three minutes to go we got the ball back before the two minute warning gave up another touchdown and again got the ball back with 149 to go and still did win how where's your header how is any of this possible what what were your emotions going through that nightmare well that that itself is the mind-blowing aspect of it but um you know it, it is it is one of the most shocking um and sudden last minute comebacks that we've seen in the NFL. 
um, decades. I mean, they, they, they put it in historical terms and it was, it's actually quite impressive um, in, in a bad way. Uh, I think where this feels I, a couple of things. One, um, I mentioned this on Twitter, but uh, you know, coincidence, not coincidence. One of the best games that we played this year, we played the best, the best games that the Dolphins have played this year were week three against Denver Broncos. Uh, who, by the way, are on a path to the playoffs themselves. Um, so it's not like they were a a, a total, pow, you know, puff opponent. Um, that was one of the clearly their best game. It literally went into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and then last week against the uh, Washington Commanders, that was the second best game that they've played this year uh, as a football team. Coincidentally, not so coincidentally, what are the two worst games that they have played as a football team? It was week four against the Buffalo Bills immediately after the Broncos game. And then this week against the Tennessee Titans at home and prime time against a team they were favored by two touchdowns to beat. Um, I don't think that's coincidence at all. I think that this is a this is a high flying team that is good, that knows they're good, that reads their own press clippings. That is um, is prone to distraction uh, and loss of focus, and I think it happened again. It happened that this game was not even as bad to me as the Buffalo game because the Buffalo game they just got outright destroyed. Okay, the Buffalo Bills. Let's be honest about them. They are to say they're up and down is probably understating it, right? Um, so we're, we're not the Buffalo Bills. We tried to say, we tried to excuse ourselves at the time and say, well, the Buffalo Bills are an elite team in the NFL. Well, as it turns out, no, they're not really. Um, so, so we went out there and we just absolutely blew up against the Buffalo Bills in week four. And it's no coincidence that it came after that hall of fame performance in week three. And I don't think this is a coincidence that this came after such a strong performance on the road. Uh, against the Washington Commanders, and um, and they come in with a loss of focus, and I think that the loss of focus was top down. I think that you could see the overconfidence and the hubris and the game planning. I think that you could see it at all levels. You could even trace it back to the, you know, who sat who sat for the game. Maybe that didn't necessarily need to sit for the game. Um, those sorts of decisions. I think it bled everywhere, and so I think that the team needed this. They needed the humble pie. They said it after the Buffalo game. They said, we needed this humble pie. We were all flying high after that Denver game. And and we just got served up, you know, something by the Buffalo Bills. And the players themselves said they needed that. Well, you're seeing similar echoed sentiment coming off of this game with Bradley Chubb saying, you know, we couldn't help but start playing with all the playoff scenarios and, you know, doing all that. And he pointed to a loss of focus. So it's not just me. It's not just making this stuff up uh, out of nowhere. I think the team needed that. Um, I think the fans needed it probably even more. And the reason I say that is because we took refuge. Because we were getting attacked by the national media and everybody else with these narratives about the Dolphins can't beat the good teams. And, you know, Buffalo gets counted as one of those good teams, even though later they were in the toilet for a while. Um you know, the, there was the national narrative about the Dolphins can't beat the good teams. Well, we took refuge in the fact that, well, yes, but we are impervious to the ones that aren't so good. You know, to the point where even Vegas is blowing up the spreads uh, to any team that is middling or worse than middling uh, in the NFL. 
Um, and I think that we as fans were kind of whistling past the graveyard and feeling good about ourselves like we're uh, impervious to bad teams. Yet, if you look across the league week after week after week, there are playoff teams every single week losing games to quote-unquote bad teams or teams that they should not be losing games to. It's happening everywhere. I mean, the Steelers were were uh, playoff bound, and then they just lost to literally the two worst teams in the NFL or two of the worst teams in the NFL in back-to-back weeks. I mean, it, I wrote this on OnlyFans um, the day, the night before the game. It's like if you look around, you really have to take stock of this and realize we can't take anything for granted. No win in the NFL is guaranteed. No, you know, nothing. No opponent is is going to just roll over on you. And and sure enough, the Tennessee Titans came in there with attitude. It showed right away. They injured like three or four of our players on three or four plays consecutively. We had a line for the blue tent. Uh, it was ridiculous. Um, they were being very physical with us. They were ready to, uh, to, to play with a chip on their shoulder with all kinds of energy that the Miami Dolphins were not. So now what we're sitting here is with humble pie, and um, and also, you know, we as fans, we got to stop whistling past the graveyard on this injury stuff. You know, we we're saying, oh, we're, we're relatively healthy. No, I mean, at one point last night, for for large parts of the game last night, the Dolphins were down eight out of twenty two starters. You know, uh, across the board, um, including some superstars. Uh, and then when Deshaun Elliott was going out for like twenty plays, I think that would have been the ninth. You know, when he was when he was out. So the Dolphins, yes, they are injured. And this reminds me a lot, actually, of the Philadelphia game. Because you know what we did before the Philadelphia game? We just whistled past the graveyard, and we're, like, and we're all like, yeah, yeah, we think that they're going to beat the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia, even though they were not he- the Dolphins were not at all healthy, you know, heading into that game. And, uh, and then afterwards, we found that we couldn't really compete, and it was like, Oh yeah, I guess we weren't really all that healthy, were we? <laughs> you know, and, and and I think health definitely, definitely. Listen, when you have four out of your five offensive linemen are backups out there, um, then then you know that's an issue. That is a big issue uh, for other teams. That would just be well, you're going to lose the game because of that. It's just that we didn't do that because we have pushed through issues, and that is a credit to the Dolphins to this point in the season, winning nine games. Would it surprise you that with all the negativity right now, the Dolphins still control their own destiny for the number one seed in the AFC? Because they do. Because if they went out and they beat that Baltimore, they beat the Baltimore Ravens in that game, then they will get the number one seed. That is that is a mathematical certainty. So, I mean, we're sitting here. Is it really over? Is this team, did this team suddenly forget how to play football? Uh, you know, overnight, uh, I, I don't necessarily think they said they forgot how to play the football that won them nine games. Um, we're sitting here talking about, you know, hey, there's other teams out there, good teams out there, really good teams out there that have taken some bad losses, that have taken losses to teams that, you know, that really aren't very good. And we're like, oh, well, that was a month or two ago. That was so long ago. It doesn't matter. Well, you know what? The playoffs are a month or two from now. So how relevant will this game be to the playoffs a month or two from now? We don't know the answer to that question. So, you know, I understand living in the moment, you know, and and living and dying by how the Dolphins do. But you got to keep your you got to keep your eyes on the big picture to some degree. 
And, uh, and, and that's what I would caution the fans to do. I, I think that they were doing the opposite. Like when, when we were winning games and every single incomplete pass or every single big run that the other side would break off or big pass completion or something like that meant the end of the fucking season. Or sorry, forgive my language, but it meant the end of the season because we couldn't live in the moment. You know, we couldn't just enjoy that we're winning, enjoy the victories. We always have to take it out to the project it out to the nth degree and say, well, that means the season's over. That means next season's over too. And the season after that, you know, and, and so fans couldn't even enjoy the victories. Well now, and, and you know, they are living too much in the moment <laughs> and, and really just down in the dirt, down on the dirt on this loss and not keeping in mind the big picture. We're going to break right now. We will come back shortly and talk more about this fiasco. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified, and insured? If the answer is yes, then Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, Jorge, and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. When an unexpected damage occurs to your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. Their objective is to make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed general contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that business homeowners and business owners require. Water Cleanup of Florida is now an authorized dealer of Eurocraft cabinets, so premier kitchen, bath, and laundry cabinetry, countertops, and other accessories are available for your viewing at their showroom in Boca Raton. Or, do you prefer to shop from your home or office? Then Water Cleanup will send you one of our design specialists to you with samples and products that fit your style and budget. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone if you have any questions at 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six. That's nine five four five seven nine zero three five six. Or visit their website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And please check out their more than eighty five star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to Three Yards Per Carry. I'll say a couple of things off the back of that. Uh, I don't. I genuinely don't believe any of us here think Miami are going to win out, go four and zero the next four games. Do, realistically, Alf, do you realistically hundred percent think Miami can win out of the next four games? Um, 
win out? No, no, they can't. Chris, win out. I think they absolutely can. I genuinely think they can. Yes, I, I think there's I one think scenario I, that where not, they can it's win. It's not going to be my base scenario. There's one scenario that, that where they can win out. Buffalo's uh, eliminated. I think uh, from I mean, playoff contention. Miami only, to, Miami, and, Miami only has to lose one game over the next three games for Buffalo to take back control. The AFC East destiny is in their hands. Wait, and by that you mean, and and by that you mean that Buffalo is going to win out. Buffalo is going to go. So why are we sitting here saying that that Miami can't win out, and Buffalo? We just assume they're going to win out. What and what in blue hell is that? Well, because they've they've got Dallas at home, right? Tough game, obviously a tough game. Yeah, but they're just coming off beating the Kansas City Chiefs, the the defending Super Bowl champions in their own place, right? And we were and we were what a Tyreek Hill fumble and weird return away from beating the Chiefs too. Were we? Anyway, yeah. Then they played. That was the play. That was the di- that play was the difference in the game. Well, it wasn't though, was it? The play. The it difference was. was. It was absolutely a, was. A terrible was. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, then they play a Justin Herbert list Chargers. Then they play a New England Patriots who have the second worst roster, uh, second worst record in the league. Okay, and then so if we lose any of the next three games, Jets, Dallas, Baltimore. And what did Buffalo, New England do this weekend? I mean, how many games have they won? What did they do this weekend? They just won. How unthinkable is that? This is okay. the NFL time. I mean, do, I mean, do so. You realistically think New England will beat Buffalo? I didn't say December. will beat Buffalo, but you're you're breaking it down into each individual game yeah, and saying, saying and Chris, saying each Chris, individual game is, is going each individual game is going to go Buffalo's way, and so naturally we're just assuming that they're going to be four and zero while we're while we're assuming that the Miami Dolphins can't go four and zero. Can't. I'm saying it's more realistic that Buffalo gets to that final game knowing it's a win out against Miami to win the AFC scenario than it is Miami going 4-0. I, I can't see how you would think any other way beyond being the most rose-tinted person I've ever met in my life. Yeah, but Wait, Simon, so, Simon, you're forgetting, but, you're forgetting one that, thing. Isn't, isn't that a poorly framed question? I, well, I don't know, is it? What what, what was the question? That's, that's a poorly framed question. What does Miami have to be? What does Miami have to be entering that game in order to, um, to say that we're that you know in or in order for the scenario that you're saying to play out what does miami have to be over the next three games and what does buffalo have to be over the next three games well two and one miami three and oh buffalo not beyond the realms of possibility no if miami is two and one okay that assumes what they, they win the next two games if they win the next two games they'll be at 11 buffalo can't lose a game if buffalo no. loses to dallas this week we yeah, beat the Jets. But I, my point the magic was, number is one. To Dallas. So Buffalo can't lose a single game. No, look, I didn't say they're not going not going to lose. Christ, you seriously. Like, listen to what I'm saying. My point was there is a scenario in which if Miami loses one game over the next three, mm-hmm. okay, they hand back the advantage, i.e., it's out of their hands to win the AFC East if Buffalo then beat Dallas, beat the Chargers without Justin Herbert, and beat the second worst team in the league. So, so, so what you're saying, what you're saying is, if Buffalo goes 
four and zero over the next four games. No, if Buffalo goes three and zero over the next three games. Well, no, they, because, they, they, because Miami we're loses. Talking about, we're talking about the Dolphins game too. If you're saying that if the Buffalo Bills go four and zero over the next four games, no, including us, and we go two and two, that wasn't what I said. I said if Buffalo win the next three games and Miami loses two, uh, one of the next three games, the final game would mean that Buffalo would win and be they they would control their destiny for winning the AFC East. That was the point I was making. So I was saying it is not beyond the realms of possibility that we lose control of the AFC East if that scenario happens. Yeah, but you're you're, you're the issue that I was taking with it is that you were assuming. You I were assuming that that's I was exactly where Buffalo's a possibility. That's that's no. You were assuming that's exactly where Buffalo is going to be. Okay, let's move on from this conversation because it's fairly reductive. Alf, do you believe that we are? It, it, it felt last night for the very first time that we have a Tyreek Hill problem in a way, in terms of. There has been allegations, not allegations, there have been questions about whether or not we are too over-reliant on him. There have been, uh, there's been a sense that perhaps people like Jalen Waddle are slightly frustrated about the lack of balls that come in his direction compared to Tyreek. Were you surprised at how ineffective we looked when he wasn't on the field for a prolonged period of time, given how well generally we have performed when he hasn't been on the field because he's been taking plays off? Well, Mike McDaniel alluded to it in his press conference today when he said that he likes the offense and he knows the offense is at its best when everybody is involved. Well, the problem with that is that everybody wasn't involved. You activated Chase Claypool to be the end on punt team and to play L1, I mean L2 on the kickoff team. Like, really? That's why you're activating a 6'4", 240-pound wide receiver that runs 4'4"? Uh, I don't. I never understood that. They played Barrios out wide most of the game, and every single route that he runs out there is absolutely useless. He is a slot player and not much else. Uh, when and and I'll give you the dead giveaway. When your opponent doesn't respect you, you're hurting your offense because you're putting a guy out there who's on one on one coverage who can't win one on one. So uh, they got issues on the offense, and it's mostly schematic. There's the, the talent is there. They have some injuries on the offensive line, but they have enough skill talent to get a little bit more than what they're getting, and they're just not getting it. And yes, I think I think that chase for two thousand was a disaster, mm. uh, and it was probably ill advised to make too much of it, including players, including Tua who mentioned it, Tyreek who mentioned it, the coach who mentioned everybody who mentioned it was doing a disservice to the offense because. Uh, this offense really is better when everybody's involved. Like I, yesterday, I learned that Durham Smythe is still around. Uh, he caught a ball yesterday. So, and that's why today I ag- advocated on OnlyFans. You know what? Just go nuclear. Sign Zach Ertz for the balance of the season, and that's going to force another weapon onto onto the offense. And maybe that'll bring some diversity in the passing game because I think it badly needs it. Badly mm-hmm. needs it. Chris, one thing we do agree on, obviously, is our own love of Mike McDaniel. Do you think, in a way, we have a Mike McDaniel problem in that there is a sense sometimes, and we've obviously discussed it on OnlyFans, we discussed it privately, we discussed it on the pod about the third and short, the fourth and short, but 
do we have a problem with his inability to sometimes do the obvious? So, for example, we drive down the field, essentially running the ball with most at an A chant, and then we get inside the red zone, we get inside the 10-yard line, we get first and goal, and we throw it three times, including two fades to the smallest receiver we've got pretty much, and we don't run the ball. Do, is there a sense sometimes that McDaniel tries to outthink himself and he's not really learnt the lessons that we've talked about from the Buffalo playoff game and the Buffalo snow game last year where we kind of made some odd decisions on third and fourth downs? I think that there's there's consistent issues with him uh, in the short yardage area. Um, and I think that it bleeds into other situations like, well, like, like goal line. Um, and so there's, there's, there's a consistency to that. And that's, that's probably where you need to worry more is, is about consistent issues. I think that he is a, um, he's a coach. He's a very enthusiastic coach. Uh, he wants, I think he wants his team to be caught up in things like the 2000 yard chase chase, because, you know, it gets them very, it gets them very excited about football. It gets them, you know, keeps them, keeps them um, bought in and, you know, everybody celebrating their, their teammates and things like that. But we just saw a major, um, a major issue with that approach too. Uh, what happens when that player suddenly and unexpectedly goes out of the game? Uh, and we're left, we're left saying, okay, well, I guess we've got to have Cedric Wilson run his stuff. Well, Cedric Wilson is not anything like Tyreek Hill. Um, and, and yet there he is running some of the same stuff that Tyreek Hill would have. Um, and so, yeah, they, they're, they're caught a little bit with their pants down, um, I think, in this game. And I think part of it is issues that the Tennessee Titans had in their secondary heading into the game. And um, and maybe Miami being, you know, this is very similar to uh, to the Chargers game on the West Coast last year, uh, where the Chargers secondary was supposed to be completely depleted. Um, but and, and and then that secondary came out and played lights out against us. And um, and this secondary was supposed to be ripe for um, some good passing yardage, uh, I think, particularly to Tyreek Hill. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if on Hard Knocks you see another one of those clips where Mike McDaniel saying something like, you know, Tyreek, if you don't have 150 plus yards today after this game, then then that's my fault or something like that. You know, um, I, I think that this they, they were caught uh, cornered a little bit uh, with by that injury. And it's unfortunate that they weren't able to um, to regroup and and start executing something else. Um, but I think that a big part of that issue, what had to do with, with not being able to regroup had to do with the fact that four to five offensive linemen and there are backups and, you know, you can, you can have bad offensive line pass protection in for this team and get away with it because Tua Tunga Vailoa is getting the ball out in two seconds, but he's getting the ball out in two seconds because Tyree Hill is, is, is one of the receivers, right? Um, you can have Tua Tungavailoa throwing to receivers that aren't Tyreek Hill, and we have seen he yeah, has something like 120 passing rate or passer rating when Tyreek Hill is off the year off the field this year, just not even lined up. Uh, yeah, you can do that, uh, but you have to have a little bit better pass protection. What you can't do it probably is both things. You know, you probably can't 
go without Tyreek Hill, who allows you to get the ball out super fast to cover up for the offensive line, and also have four out of five offensive linemen be backups. It, it, it just doesn't work very well, or it's going to be sloppy if it does work. And last night was a sloppy game. In fact, last night should have been a sloppy win. You know, I mean, that's that's the way it was coming off as as there were two touchdowns ahead with a couple minutes left in the game. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, I think that, yeah, it's going to be pretty sloppy when those two things are absent. Uh, and, you know, they got caught a little bit. They got caught a little bit with their eggs in uh, in, in one basket, I think. Alf, we, Chris alluded to it there, we shot ourselves in the foot over and over and over again. The fumble after Connor went out, the Chubb helmet slam penalty, those fades that I talked about when we should have just run the ball, uh, the the penalty on Blake Ferguson, The we, we were told there was a players-only meeting today. Was this a, just an accumulation of things to go wrong all in one night or something greater? And do you expect some sort of big old bounce back against the Jets on Sunday? Well, they got to learn. They got to learn from what they've done wrong. First of all, what Chubb just lost his mind there, uh, you know, and you could tell that it bothered him because he played with his hair on fire the rest of of that game. He 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 had one of his better games, even though it's not going to show up. You know, only what was it? Three pressures, a fumble recovery, but he was all over the place after that. Even in the run game, he was awesome after that play. So he knew he did something incredibly stupid. I don't know why he did that, but. Yeah, I don't understand why they don't run the ball. Uh, I was looking this up this afternoon. Uh, one of my favorite plays is toss crack because everybody's run it since like the 50s. <laughs> okay. It's the staple of every single high school offense down here. Dolphins have run it 14 times the last three games. They averaged 6.3 yards per carry on, on those plays. They ran it last night for a touchdown. So, yes, run the ball down there. The last thing you should be doing is throwing fades to guys that are uh, – I, I find it hilarious when Lewis Riddick said, don't throw a fade to a 5'3 wide receiver. And I know he's not 5'3, but Jesus Christ. And then, of course, we throw it to Cedric Wilson, and the timing's all off as well. Don't do it. It's a bad play, and it's low percentage, especially considering the talent that they have on offense. Just smash them, on, smash them in the mouth and – and run the ball very quickly. Let's get out our hate balls. Uh, unfortunately, Mike McDaniel, my hate ball goes to you this week. Uh, Chris, your hate ball? Um, yeah, I'm going to also echo your sentiment, give it to Mike McDaniel, the hate ball to Mike McDaniel. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you real quick why, because we talked about it on the podcast last week where there was a moment on Hard Knocks. They had just beaten the Jets and the players are all like, you know, happy and they're like, hey, victory Monday, victory Monday, right? And Mike McDaniel's talking to them and he's, and he's like taken aback. And he's like, what? Victor, no, fuck you. We're coming to work. You know, like, like, like there was a moment where he was, it was like, Hey, listen, we haven't accomplished anything yet. And, um, and, and he tried to keep them focused and I didn't really get the sense that he was able to do that in this game. Uh, and so I think that maybe it was after the Raiders game. I forget which game it was, but I don't think he really did that. And so that's on him. Alf, your hate ball very quickly. Yeah, uh, I would say it's too easy to get Mike McDaniel. But they've been they've made a lot of mistakes, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a player on this, and it's evident on tape. Robert Jones was an absolute unmitigated disaster, and he was actually pretty good in the run game. Like he had some highlight blocks. My God, he just could not block anybody in pass pro, and that allowed for a lot of trash to to his feet. 
And I'll give another hate ball, and this is going to make a lot of Tua haters really, really happy. I, th- I thought Tua was bad. I thought he was bad in this game. And if he's good, there's no chance in hell they'd lose this game. So those are my two hate balls. Yeah, I thought he made two unbelievable throws, actually, but I didn't yes. think he was very good. He didn't like it. I, I hate to say this. It felt like he played down again to the, you know, which mm-hmm. kind of, when you wanted to do big, he played small. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we will be back on Thursday to preview the Jets. This will be out of our system by then. We will be happy, smiley, and and mummy and daddy won't fight, uh, we <laughs> promise. Um, and for all of you listening, I will leave you with a bit of good cheer, given that it's Christmas around the corner. In 2012, when the Baltimore Ravens won the Super Bowl, they lost four of their last five regular season games and ended up as Super Bowl champions. I'm not saying Miami will lose four of their last five. I'm just saying it happens. Keep your chins up, folks. We'll see you Thursday. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.